We have been uh, partners uh, with you all since, I believe, around 1992. And uh, we just thank the Lord. I, ho- I want to show just a couple of pictures to say thank you and hope that when you see these pictures and the people in them, you can connect that you have a, a part in that. Now, our story, uh, my, I had a grandfather who was a church planner. My parents were in the ministry. When I was 16, we went to the Philippines. So uh, I'm under a lot of pressure to get results. And uh, it's, it's a good pressure. But then the Lord would lead uh, my wife and I back to Manila. And uh, we, we planted four churches there personally. Those have uh, started other churches. So uh, the people that you see in there, in that building, you have a connection and a partnership and a part in it as well. The Lord, uh, around 1999, led us to base in Hong Kong to begin to minister to the Chinese and plant a church in Hong Kong, um, and also to use it as a base uh, for training other pastors and leaders. Very difficult right now for many Chinese people around Asia to be able to live for the Lord, uh, but the Lord has doors open, and people are very, very receptive uh, in many places in Asia, not everywhere. But in many, many places, they're really searching for the Word of God. You've helped us to plant churches in closed places, providing Bibles and discipleship lessons and a, a, a form of livelihood. One of the first ones, we would uh, have a washing machine for the church planner and his family. I don't know if you remember that. How many, some of you all remember that or, or helped invest in that? Yeah. And then um, right now, um, noodle stands are much more popular and easier and some other things that I won't mention while we're uh, uh, taping and stuff. Wednesday night, I'll give you some, uh, some uh, exciting things of how the Lord is working. They believe 150 million people in mainland China are Christians, at least. And thank the Lord for that. And they are very hungry for the Word of God. And yet that is still just 11 or 12%. But they are in many ways really searching for the Lord. It's estimated 40,000 a day are coming to Christ in China. And I believe that's uh, correct, maybe even low. And of course, with a billion, 400 million, we have a ways to go. I hope you can also connect. And people in that picture came to Christ because of our partnership together and with the Lord and with the Word of God. So please do get our prayer cards in the back. And uh, please do pray for us and pray with us. And we just wanted to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and partnership. We don't know how much time we have, right? Uh, It's I was I was born seven years after Israel went into the land, which one of the final big prophecies, and we're still here. I don't I don't know why we're here, but the Lord has a purpose for us, and what we're going to do, we better do now. Now, for the message this morning, I'm going to put everything up on the slides, even the scriptures. And um, this is a mission conference of reaching people around the world. And your theme is We Speak Jesus. And that Ephesians 4 is where it came from. We're going to be also looking at some scriptures there. And this is all about saving souls. Where everyone is born into this world separated from God because we sin. We're sinners. But he has made a way back. Not only for eternal life, but also to have a life of purpose now. Now, at the end of this message, I'm going to invite you to make some decisions or choices. That's what really every church service 
um, where a Bible preaching service is, we want to invite you to respond to what the Lord is working on in your heart. And there'll be several things um, I'll uh, ask you to consider as you'll see through the message. But I want you to know that, and those of you who may not be a believer here today, you'll have an opportunity to find out more about that, of what it means to be a, a, a believer, a Christian, someone who is given their life to Jesus Christ. All right, so when it comes to saving souls, what's the plan? Let's, let's just take it simple. What's the plan? And we find that easily, and that you can see, easily see in the New Testament, that the Bible compares saving souls compared to harvey, harvesting wheat, all right? And uh, in the harvest. Now, in, we could see in the Word of God that the Old Testament people, before Christ came, and died on the cross for our sins, those people that responded to God's word and followed him, they're called the first fruits of the harvest, all right, and souls being saved. And um, uh, Jesus would, when he died on the cross, he would go down to uh, paradise, or also called Abraham's bosom, he would bring them up out of there into heaven after he died on the cross. It was part of the harvest, and they are called the first fruits. Now, now is the main harvest. The majority of people that are going to be harvested with the gospel, the good news, it's going to be now. It's now. I hope that you let that sink in. And then uh, we believe that uh, the Lord is going to return for all believers and in the church age of reaching people by establishing churches and teaching and preaching the, the, the word of God and the Bible. And then the last days begin and we call it the tribulation. And that is called the gleanings, the final part of that harvest. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, which I have here, and you know, he's got his disciples there, and he's, he's imparting to them the mission that they are going to have. They begin to understand it's worldwide, and he'll give them a commission to go into all the world at the end. But before he uh, does that, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, the Bible says, When he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then said he, Jesus, to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Because the, the plan was just not to, for Jesus, his disciples, to train them, and then that was it. The harvest was going to continue, but more laborers were needed, more harvesters were needed, because there are many souls to save. So he says, you ask the Lord of the harvest to provide more laborers. Well, we find out who are the harvesters. We find it in Ephesians 4. We find the answer to that prayer in Ephesians 4. Now, Ephesians 4 is like many New Testament uh, books of the Apostle Paul. The first three chapters are some very important doctrinal truth. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6 begins to apply it practically. Now here's chapter 4, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Uh, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with 
with which you were called. Speaking to that in Ephesians church and then collectively to all of us as New Testament Christians, he says, you've got a calling and I want you to walk worthy of it. Now notice, no one is left out. Sometimes in our kind of churches, we think that only those that are the uh, pastor and the staff and those working full time, they're the ones serving the Lord. They're the ones following a calling and we're here to help them, pray for them, support them, but they're the ones to be doing the work of the Lord. And that's not what the Bible teaches as we'll see in Ephesians 4 uh, in some more verses here. Uh, Here in verse uh, 8, it says, therefore... He says, when he, when Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, that's the Old Testament harvest, the Old Testament saints, and gave gifts unto men. And this will be the answer where Jesus said to his disciples, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to provide laborers. The gifts are the laborers for the main harvest. And here they are in verse 11, Ephesians 4, 11. And he, and Jesus, he himself gave some, these are the laborers, the harvesters for the church age, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, apostles were those that were personally sent by Jesus Christ. He appeared to them personally, or they saw him personally. And we don't have those here today. Then there are the prophets, which we see in the uh, book of Acts. And I believe that those prophets are there and are doing a work because the Bible wasn't completed yet. But once you see the Bible completed, you see the apostles and prophets. We don't have them around anymore. All right? And then he says, and some evangelists. Now, I believe that's a Bible word for a missionary, a church planner. There are some that are in a, a full-time ministry of evangelism to stir up the churches. But I think that's, that's what we might know more of a missionary. Now, the first, uh, uh, the first guy in the Bible to be called an evangelist, his name was what? Do you remember? Anybody remember? Philip, that's right. And his name means one who loves horses. So if the Lord calls you into the missionary, church planning, evangelism work, you better be ready to travel, right? It comes with the job. He says some evangelists and some pastors. Those are the shepherds of the local church, of the believers that are assembled together. I tell you, it's been so much fun planting churches in Asia. There's some places we planted churches where it's the first church to be established there. I think about some of the uh, churches even in the Philippines we planted. We got the end of a, we would have a month-long outreach of a service every night, and those new believers with their pastor and his wife and them would take us out to the boat where we're going to catch a boat back to our uh, uh, central island, and those people just cried and just thanked us for bringing the gospel to them. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. And we left them with a shepherd, a pastor, who would help them and continue to grow. So some evangelists, some pastors, does it say in some teachers? Does it say that? Does it say that? No. Anybody there? Everybody here with me? <laughs> I'll tell you what I do. I think I know what time to finish today, but the more amens I get, the faster the message goes. <laughs> Amen? Amen? 
All right, good. I know you're with me then. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, but, and teachers. So, I hope you, it helps you in Ephesians 4.1. He says, you want to, I want, I beseech you, I pray for you. I want you that you'll be worthy of the calling that you have. The answer to the harvest. The answer for the need that the, the fields are ripe, that souls are ready to be saved. Now, when you think of the word teacher, you probably think of a group of people, and we're not really talking about that. And how do you harvest? How do you harvest souls? Well, uh, in Ephesians 4.15 in that chapter, he says that speaking the truth in love and may grow up in him in all things who is the head Christ. Teaching is speaking in that context. Okay? Now, um, uh, they, they have been measuring what are Americans afraid of, afraid of for many, many years. And after 9-11... What was number three moved up to number two in America, and that was a fear of dying. Moved up from three to two after, uh, after 9-11. But number one never changes. And number one is people have a greater fear of anything else, the fear of public speaking. <laughs> they would rather die than speak publicly, right? We can all relate to that. But I want you to understand that anyone can speak to one person. Jesus gave an example. Jesus trained the multitudes. He trained leaders. But don't you remember that there was one of the disciples called the disciple whom Jesus loved? Does that mean he loved him more than anyone else, any of the other disciples? No. It was an example and he spent more time with him. In fact, the book of John is different than the other Gospels. We have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We have the book of Revelation from that disciple. It's a, a very different relationship. At the, at the Last Supper, John is leaning on the body of Christ, and Jesus announces, One of you shall betray me. All of the disciples, it says, ask the Lord, Is it I? Is it me? But only one... The one who was right there, only one said, Lord, who is it? Knew it couldn't be him. So Jesus gave an example that he did minister to multitudes and train leaders as missionaries and as pastors have to do, but he also had a one-on-one disciple to show us that anyone can talk to one person and be a teacher of the Word of God. What are you teaching? As Pastor Marty said, it's what we call the gospel, the good news. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I, have also, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There's a new life in Christ. If he defeated death, he could defeat anything. But many Christians, many Christians will... Um, get saved and be happy they're saved, and many will be thankful they're saved, and that's kind of it. And that's what Pastor Marty's talking about, where discipleship moves you along. And I put here, let's remember, there will be some accountability that one day it is possible when we meet the Lord, 
he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. But also, it says in 1 John chapter 2, he wrote, and now little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In other words, it's possible to be with the Lord and there be some times of accountability and we regret not serving him. Now, we have very little time left, don't you think? I mean, what we see in the world today is the uh, enemy of God making every move possible, everything that God ever created or set up or designed, every, every one of those things, the enemy is making its move towards the end, and yet it's a greater time to reach people. People are more receptive than any other time before. Uh, uh, one of the interesting things about the lockdown in Asia is that we had many Buddhist people ask us, is this the end of the world? And what's amazing about that is that's not really a part of their belief system. So I say that to say, people may sound like they're not receptive, don't believe a word they say. Just get the gospel to them. The Lord is working in their heart. But there is going to be accountability, so this part of the message here may be a little un- uncomfortable for you. In some, some churches, I'll, uh, I'll say, hey, let's uh, evaluate our Christian life. Are you an A-grade Christian? Would you get an A for your Christian life? Are you a B? Would you get a B, you know, a C? Um, I have in some churches, I said, okay, everybody here that's an A Christian, say A. I won't do that today, no problem. And uh, those that are A, they never say it because they're too humble, right? They, I mean, they got it nailed being a, a great Christian. And, um, uh, you know, the C Christians, um, they, uh, one, I think one of the main things about you could know whether you might be a C Christian or not is like in this, this is an auditorium, C Christians pretty much just auditing Christianity in the auditorium, Right? And auditing, when you audit something right, there's little accountability. You can attend, you can get what you can from it, but you're not really involved, no measurements, stuff like that. And they're not really happy being C Christians. Sometimes you might think you're a C Christian, but it's just because you need to grow in the Word of God. There are seven stages of spiritual growth. The B Christians want to be better. Now, it's hard to know whether, you know, we would never want to say, well, I think I'm an A Christian. As soon as we say that, we're not sure because we said, well, I think I'm an A Christian, right? <laughs> but we do know the Apostle Paul had to be a great, he's, he's a pattern for us to follow. And yet, even himself, he said about himself, I am the chief of sinners because he persecuted, he killed Christians. He put them in jail. I mean, men, women, and children until the Lord appeared to him. <clears throat> and yet, he went on to make an unbelievable impact because he followed what the Lord wanted him to do. Now, the Apostle Paul, uh, I want to I read in Acts 20 what he said to a church he started, a church at Ephesus. He knows he's not going to see them anymore, okay? But he would know the uh, Old Testament. Uh, he was an expert in the Old Testament. And in Ezekiel 33, um, the Bible says, when I, uh, God speaking here, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die if you do not speak to the worn 
uh, let me start at the beginning. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. If you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Speaking to Ezekiel the prophet. The Apostle Paul would have known that. So look at what he writes to the church at Ephesus. He's telling them that he has kept nothing back from them that was profitable for them and taught them publicly and from house to house. And he's saying, I'm not going to see you anymore. And look at the last uh, verse there. Wherefore, I take to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. How could that be? He didn't get the message of the gospel to every person in the world. And, and those people there at Ephesus, that is a very strong church there, a fantastic church, a church to follow. But they didn't, they didn't send people to everywhere in the world. And yet he could say, because I have taught you, I've held nothing back from you, I've taught you publicly and from house to house, person to person, he says, I'm guiltless from the blood of all men. I think the Lord's giving us an important principle here. If we will grow to the point where we're able to witness to others and help those and make sure they go on for the Lord and able to do the same, then there's something powerful about that multiplication that works that's going to help us when we have to give an accountability for our life. Well, notice here just quickly in summary that we have a calling. There are no more apostles and prophets But you could be called to be a missionary, and maybe this week, maybe today, the Lord is working with some of you and calling you. In the first service, there were some. Uh, Maybe the Lord is calling you to be in full-time ministry, a youth pastor, pastor, some type of work. Maybe he's doing that. But if he is calling you to do that, he's already called us all. And by the way, the missionaries and the pastors are apt to teach All of us are to speak to individuals. We all have that calling. The calling is to speak the gospel so that we can harvest souls as we're in the main part of the harvest. And there is accountability. Now, I want to help you out. If you, uh, I brought a tool with me that we use in planting churches. It's just called uh, Christianity. And I'm going to make this available to you here at the end of the message here. It's just a booklet That's simple, 10 pages, but it starts at the beginning that God created everything and the first man and woman, how evil came into the world, why we need a Savior, what did the Savior claim, and then the decision that a person must make about that Savior. Just a simple book called Christianity with a question mark. Now, this is a tool that not only can help you fill in maybe some gaps you might have in presenting the good news of the gospel. Um, Maybe you want to make sure you're saved, or maybe you have family members or friends that you could say to them, hey, would you like to have a one-on-one Bible study that you can see for yourself what the Bible says? I know in in, uh, churches I start and pastor, if I have one of my members come up to me and he says, Pastor Honeycutt, here's my friend, he's ready to be saved then I know that my church member, 
He's ready to be discipled and trained to make sure he knows that he can share the gospel. He didn't have the confidence, you know, he didn't want to mess up an eternal soul by accidentally presenting or leaving something out of the gospel, so he brought him to me. And so what we want in that Ephesians 4, it says that the, uh, these are the gifts, and the next verse, verse 12, says, for the work of the ministry. And when I read the Bible, the work of the ministry is where someone who has God's word and is able to speak it and transfer it to someone else, even one person, one-on-one. So this tool I brought with me, and uh, here we have uh, where Jesus, after he uh, made that promise or asked those disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to provide to provide more laborers, notice what the Lord says in the, what we call the Great Commission. Then verse, uh, verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what's the next word? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, into the, uh, even unto the end of the age. One thing about taking the word of God and learning it and internalizing it after you become a Christian is you have the power of God's word to help you. You have the Holy Spirit in you to help you to learn and to grow. You're not on your own. What I find is that many times those that are uh, a, a C Christian, you might say, they have a desire to go and they just need a good tool. They need some good training. Maybe that's you here today. Or maybe you know of some people uh, you want to help come to Christ. And this will be a tool for you.